What is up, Janksters? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And today we have another edition of the Overthinking MTG podcast. Today, I want to do a detailed breakdown on the big, bad demon lord himself, Gristlebrand. Now, this is an appropriate deep dive for a couple of different reasons. As I'm recording this, Wizards just officially announced that Gristlebrand will be entering MTG Arena in the historic format through a bonus sheet in Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered. And if that sounds complicated, it's because it kinda is. Um, long story short, once Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered launches on Arena, you'll be able to craft Gristlebrand. And if you're drafting during a certain week, you might be able to draft Gristlebrand or get the distinct privilege of playing against Gristlebrand. So, be aware of that. It's kind of an awkward release, uh, but it might work out really well. I don't know. We'll see. As far as I know, Wizards has never done anything quite like this. It's leveraging the flexibility of a digital client in a new way, which should be interesting. In any event, who is Gristlebrand? Gristlebrand is a legendary demon from Avacyn Restored that is nothing short of a house. This card is the card that legacy and um vintage reanimator and modern reanimator strategies are trying to get online so if you've ever played with a reanimator deck in various formats you, you know that generally you want to get the biggest scariest thing that you can possibly get out of your deck onto the battlefield very quickly the goal is to get it down as early as possible in you know standard or pioneer you might be looking at turn four maybe turn five in like vintage and legacy you might be looking at turn one if you have access to things like dark ritual like stuff can get very weird like a dark ritual in tomb animate dead is totally a thing you can do in those formats and my goodness if you haven't had the privilege of pulling that off oh it's the best but regardless all of those strategies have this incredible flexibility to grab almost any creature now there are certain creatures that are like intentionally difficult to reanimate like a lot of the eldrazi or like blightsteel colossus for example have this text that when they go into your graveyard they shuffle back in or they shuffle your whole graveyard back into your library so all of a sudden like they just don't stick in the yard and that's because they would be like perfect reanimator strategies uh, or they'd be perfect reanimator targets and wizards knew that because they're designed to just be the biggest dumbest scariest thing possible so they don't let you reanimate them so the biggest, dumbest, scariest thing possible they do let you reanimate is Gristlebrand. This demon has been the thing that people go and grab in those types of strategies for literally years. And it's really no surprise why. So he costs four black, 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 black. So an eight mana creature. Flying lifelink, seven, seven, legendary demon. Pay seven life, draw seven cards. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So in a legacy kind of situation, imagine being on the play. If your opponent doesn't have force of will, they're completely hosed. Because you can turn one uh, dark ritual, entomb a Gristlebrand, use something like Exhum or Animate Dead to bring Gristlebrand online, and then the fun begins. Because once you have Gristlebrand online, especially if you haven't paid any mana, or maybe you paid a little bit of, or sorry, life. If you haven't paid any life at this point, you can lose seven life or lose 14 life and draw that many cards. Being able to draw a huge chunk of your deck and have perfect control over what you keep in that scenario is just absolutely backbreaking. That kind of card advantage puts your opponent in a situation where they have no more outs. 
it's over. Like already, the moment Gristlebrand hits the field, if you have the life to spend, you just draw more cards than your opponent can keep up with. You then have all the answers to everything they do. You gladly take any one for one or even two for one trades that go in your opponent's favor. And you don't really care because you can restock your hand in such a beautiful way. And on top of that, with Gristlebrand having lifelink, if Gristlebrand connects, you gain seven life. What this might as well say is when Gristlebrand deals combat damage to a player, draw seven cards. Because that's what you do. You hit them, you gain seven life, you then, in many situations anyway, spend that seven life to turn it into seven cards, refill your grip, and then, you know, you're just, you're golden. You have the world, the world is your oyster. You can do just about anything. That ability is insane. Being able to pay seven life to draw seven cards. There's a reason that effects like that these days are gated behind mana costs. That's something that you see sometimes. Like, Villis, Broker of Blood, is a demon that is very similar to Gristlebrand. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull him up here real quick. Villis, the Broker of Blood, is a legendary demon. It's an 8-8 for 8 with flying, no lifelink. And you can pay one black, pay two life to give target creature minus one, minus one until end of turn. But whenever you lose life, you draw that many cards. So you have this ability where you can pay one black and two life to get an effect that a lot of the time is negligible. But you pay the two life, you lose two life, you draw two cards. So as a result, you can pay one mana and two life to draw two cards. And potentially kill something, which can be relevant, don't get me wrong. But for the most part, you're doing it for the card draw. Um... So this is a similar effect. I've oftentimes referred to Villas as Gristlebrand at home because that's very much what this card is. But it turns out even like the Kirkland brand budget basement Gristlebrand is still pretty good. So Villas has been actually pretty fantastic for me in a lot of situations. Um, as a commander reanimator enthusiast, I'm a big fan of this card. Um, and, you know, you can see why. A large body that can take over, that has flying, that can also generate you card advantage is incredible. And that's ultimately what what Gristlebrand is. He's the OG when it comes to that. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. The only other card that, that gives Gristlebrand a run for his money is Atraxa Grand Unifier. Atraxa is the other card that people cite as a genuine threat to Gristlebrand's superiority as the reanimator target in Eternal Formats. And it, that is wild to me. I think it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And a big part of the reason for that, by the way, is on stats, like they're kind of comparable. I mean, they're both 7-7 seven, seven flyers, um, and they have flying and lifelink. Granted, Atraxa also has death touch and vigilance, which, holy cow. Um, but Grizzlebrand can draw you more cards. Atraxa draws you three to five cards when she first enters the battlefield, but then that's it. Granted, you have some selection over those, so that's pretty cool. But that's usually about it. Grizzlebrand, however, you just keep drawing an obscene number of cards throughout the course of the game. If the game's gonna go longer, I want Grizzlebrand every time. But if I'm gonna try to explosively kill my opponent quickly, as reanimated strategies often do, Atraxa looks pretty good. So, I think, honestly, both cards are excellent. The difference when it comes to Eternal Formats, especially Legacy, is that Atraxa can be pitched to Force of Will. And if you're not familiar with what that means, Force of Will is a counterspell that says you can discard a blue card rather than pay its mana, mana cost. And so, having blue cards in your hand that are expendable that you can discard to cast Force of Will is a big deal. Because those counterspells disrupt your opponent's combos when they're trying to 
trying to set them off. And that's a way to get attracts into your graveyard. So the fact that you can use a force of will as a discard outlet to put your reanimation threat in the graveyard that you can then pull out later is a very powerful line that you have in Legacy specifically uh, that Grizzlebrand can't do because Grizzlebrand isn't blue. So that's kind of a neat uh, difference and a kind of the kind of wrinkle that Legacy players notice that the rest of us probably wouldn't be aware of. Uh, so that's kind of interesting, I think, anyway. But yeah, so Grizzlebrand, it, it, this demon is super huge. The one, of the, one of the other things I actually, actually absolutely adore too, flavorfully. So this is, if I'm not mistaken, Grizzlebrand is one of the demons that Liliana um, signed a contract with for her incredible power. And so the notion of like these demons coming together to bind Liliana to a you know, to a contract for like eternal youth and incredible power, I believe was the deal. I don't know. The contract was very wishy-washy. It was kind of all over the place, regardless of whatever the terms of that deal were. Gristlebrand was a part of that exchange. And so the fact that Gristlebrand has this ability where you draw seven cards, I mean, talk about uh, the magic equivalent of ultimate power at your fingertips, drawing seven cards, accessing seven new spells that you can leverage against your foes at a whim is very, very cool. However, you have to lose seven life to do it. You know, deals with demons are never without a catch. And that's that. So like, flavorfully, this is actually really cool. The idea of making a deal with Gristlebrand and he gives you incredible power, but it hurts you to, to take advantage of it kind of neat and actually it fits with just black in general the black color identity of ambition and uh you know trying to uh achieve great power at any cost this is perfect like this sum summarizes it perfectly so the fact that this is an incredibly powerful card that has all kinds of utility i mean neat and it's coming to arena woo so i'll be very interested to see in historic specifically which is the format where gristle brand will be legal so the, you'll find Gristlebrand craftable uh, if you go into the card collection. You will also sometimes, when you are drafting uh, Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered, there is a chance Gristlebrand will show up as like a bonus card within one of the packs. Um, there's a whole bonus sheet that they're adding, and they are rotating it every week. So, so, so there will be weeks where Gristlebrand, or I believe at least one week, where Gristlebrand will be available in those packs, and you may be able to draft Gristlebrand. You will also have to face Gristlebrand, potentially, if luck is not on your side, uh, on the other side of the field during that week. When the next week rolls around, Gristlebrand is off the table, along with all the other cards that were available for that week in the bonus sheet. The rest of the main set remains unchanged, so a lot of the draft environment is going to be the same. However, they're going to add a couple more different cards. And the cards on that bonus sheet are from the original Innistrad block. So Shadows Over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon were kind of the return to Innistrad, like kind of the first return to Innistrad. We've since returned to the return to Innistrad, but in any event, there was the, also the original Innistrad block, and that had a ton of cool cards in it, Gristlebrand being one of them. Uh, another being another one that I plan on doing an episode on, Snapcaster Mage. Uh, another phenomenal card, like one of the best two drops ever printed in blue, and uh, that's going to be coming as well. I don't know if Gristlebrand and Snapcaster will be in the same weeks. I would imagine they're probably going to um, probably gonna rotate the Mythics, but in any event, very cool card. Super powerful. You'll love to see it. So thank you so much for checking out this video. If you're watching on the YouTubes uh, or the podcast, if you're listening in audio form, Overthinking MTG, anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you so much. Check in the next one.
or I'll I'll catch you on the next one. I don't know why I said check on that one. I usually, I always say catch. I'll catch you on the next one. That sounded better. <laughs>